0: Psalm 84, the heading in my Bible, is Longing for God's House. Longing for God's House. And uh, this is what the psalmists say. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord of hosts. I long and yearn for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. Even a sparrow finds a home and a swallow, a nest for herself, where she places her young. Near your altars, Lord of hosts, my King and my God. How happy are those who reside in your house, who praise you continually. Happy are the people whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, They make it a source of spring water even the autumn rain will cover it with blessings they go from strength to strength each appears before god in zion lord god of hosts hear my prayer listen god of jacob consider our shield god look on the face of your anointed one better a day in your courts than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather be at the door of the house of my God than to live in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. He does not withhold the good from those who live with integrity. Lord of hosts, happy is the person who trusts in you. amen in anticipating this weekend and especially this morning and and what we would share together I I just felt a really immense sense of responsibility uh, about what is shared Um, this is a really is a wonderful and and crucial time for us and in many ways, as as we've often felt at different points over the years, um, I know that many of us would feel we are on the edge, on the verge of something that will again change and reshape the the the, the nature and the size and the, the expression of, of this church. Uh, I believe God just spoke a little phrase into me on, on Friday night as we as we worshipped and prophetic um, ministry was coming. That he said, I'm changing the infrastructure. God is changing the infrastructure of our church. Now, don't get me wrong, we're not removing the foundations. Right. It's a different thing. Right. But some of the infrastructure, some of the way we, 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 um, we find our... Um, our direction and our strengths. God's going to change some of those things. I guess we're all really aware that um, in our nation, there is a great void at the moment. There's a great gap, a great space, a great vacuum. Uh, there is no clear voice. There's no sharp prophetic testimony. Um, much, of, much of the so-called church is so compromised it can't be called the church anymore. It's not his church Anymore. We know that um, God has spoken clearly to us in the past about our boundaries being our starting places, about uh, being a haven of health, being being an Antioch church, being a place where wild flowers will will grow. And much more recently, in the Bible Week, many most of us were there. Many of us there. He he spoke again clearly as 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 prophetic ministries brought the word of the Lord to the eldership, he said very clearly there would be many more villages. There would be growth numerically and growth geographically and growth in our revelation. And there would be breakthroughs in power and miracle and healing. And we would be a people who others would come and see and, and, and their reaction and, and summing up of all that they found amongst us would be to say isn't Jesus wonderful? Yes. Amen. We know also there's, there's, there is growing opposition to the gospel and, and there are forces um, that are uh, that are ranging themselves against biblical morality, that's obvious and clear and you don't mean to say that But I I sense a real war is looming. And our faith and our vision and our commitment and our loyalty to Jesus and to one another will be tested. Above all, we know there are thousands and thousands of people on our doorsteps who are like sheep without a shepherd. And as Deborah reminded us last week, the shepherd lives in us. And we have a heart for all the sheep. So, as we said this time, well it wasn't this time last year, it was June last year when we had our momentum, first momentum weekend, what happens next really matters. And it's in this context that we meet this weekend that I for one feel an immense responsibility and also above all, a great sense of possibility. I think if we read the Bible right, um, we find that the Bible thrusts upon us some really big questions. And they demand answers. They're questions that we can't ignore, and we can't shirk them, and we can't um, sort of delay finding an answer to them. We we have to answer these questions, and they're questions like this, Matthew 16, 15. Who do you say I am? Questions like this in Jeremiah, in Amos, in Zechariah. What do you see? Questions like this in Isaiah chapter 6. Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Questions like this in, in um, Exodus 4, verse 2. What is that in your hand? Questions like this in Acts 7, 49, which is a quote from the Old Testament prophets. What kind of house will you build for me? And we can't ignore those questions. People have a lot of other questions. Um, Who will be the U.S. president? Um, Will North Korea develop a a bomb? Uh, What will Brexit really look like? And and then the real big is, who will win Bake Off? (laughs) Can I cope with the transition? (laughs) Obviously some of those questions are important. Some are utterly irrelevant in the great scheme of things. Um, The only questions that really, really thrust themselves upon us with any great weight are the big questions in here. Who do we say he is? What have we seen? Whom shall he send? How can we serve him with whatever's in our hands? And what kind of house are we building? And um, so I think... A weekend like this is an opportunity for us to restate our answers to some of those questions, to be really refreshed. It's been refreshing. It's been fantastic to be refreshed in our vision and our convictions and our sense of where we're going, our sense of what it is we're building, our, our sense of, um, um, of our priorities in this time that we describe that we know we're in. And, and so I'd just like to start by just sharing it, describing what I see. You've heard me say this probably many times. But you know, um, there's several precedents in the Bible for saying the same thing again. There is. That's right. <laughs> yes. And um, things are established yes. in a multitude of witnesses. Yes. Yes. I, I believe that's my responsibility this morning, is yes. to share something of what I see and in doing so I know I'm sharing what we see together. Yes, that's right. I'll use the first person but that's not to make this individual in any way whatsoever. Please listen without prejudice. Please listen without cynicism. Please listen with an open heart and hear what the Spirit would say to the church this morning. I see a church where every member experiences real transformation. Everybody knows they're a new creation. Everybody's born again. That's a good start. Everybody is baptized in water. Everybody is baptized in the Holy Spirit. Everybody's properly added to the body. So that everybody is empowered to live the life God has for us. I see a church comprising all sections of society. All races, all classes, all backgrounds. Everybody saved the same way. Everybody baptized in the same water. Well, not literally the same water, that would be unpleasant, but... Everybody filled with the same Holy Spirit, that's very pleasant. Everybody equal around the table. The wild and the cultivated flowers growing side by side to create a beautiful garden. As the psalmist said, how lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. I see a church where every man and every woman, every child is honored and valued where there are no hierarchies, there are no cliques, there are no in-crowds, there is no nepotism, no favoritism, there are no whispered conversations. Everybody is appreciated and valued. I see a church where every member is uniquely gifted and called and anointed. It's a body that um, knows it needs every part where everybody can function in their gift and their calling, where there's no jealousy or comparison, yes. where there is space for everybody, where everybody fits, yeah. where we support and spur on and encourage one another yeah. to be everything we can be. Yeah. I see a church where there is real, powerful, visible, I want to say tangible, love for one another. Where we prioritize our time together, our fellowship. It's a church where hearts are knitted together and that's marked by unity and cohesion. Where we don't allow anything to stay fractured. Where wrongs are put right, where grace abounds. I see a church that's empowered and and directed by the Spirit. That's dynamic and supernatural and liberating and releasing. That's responding to His voice. I see us experiencing everything in the Bible yes. Yes. and Amen. more. Yes. Amen. Having some yep. um, having experiences that aren't even in the Bible, wow. but they're perfectly biblical. I see no gaps, I I, I didn't say this, I'm telling you what I honestly see. I see no gaps between um, what we read and what we experience. I see a church that's led and built up and equipped by the gifts Jesus has given us. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, men and women who function powerfully in these ways, and they work alongside a a dynamic and expanding eldership, and a gifted and competent diaconate, group of deacons, and all the other functions, all the other roles and responsibilities that Jesus puts in his church. It's a church where the leaders are good friends, not just random colleagues. I mean, you've heard us nattering amongst ourselves. <laughs> I see a church that's really devoted to the Word. Yeah. Amen. It, it, it's people who cherish the Word and want to obey the Word, not debate its relevance. Very good. Amen. People whose lives prove that the Word is true, yes. that the Word is an anchor, that the Word is a light, that the Word is a source of peace and joy and security. I see a church that's powerful in prayer where prayer is a priority and is answered and uh, natural obstacles are are no obstacles because we have a live link to heaven and God is pouring out heaven's resources into our lives. The psalmist says, my soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out yeah. to the living God, for the living God. Yeah. I see a church where worship is free and unfettered and is spiritual yeah. and is orderly and where we sing many new songs and where the Holy Spirit has his way amongst us and, and angelic visitation is evident and the gifts of the Spirit are operating to electrify our gatherings and make God's love and blessing very real and tangible and and unmissable. See, the psalmist says, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They're ever praising you. And And I do see a haven of health and breakthroughs and healings and a church living in physical emotional, and mental well-being. Yes. And unbelievers receiving the love of Jesus through the laying on of hands. Yes. Because I see the cross as, the all, as being all-sufficient yes. to annihilate the enemy yes. and usher in a new order. Yes. I see the kingdom coming on earth in our day and the church living, being the living demonstration of the peace, the healing, the blessing, the forgiveness that is ours. The psalmist said, as they pass through the valley of baka, the valley of weeping, the valley of distress, they make it a place of springs and they go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. I see a church that's devoted to gathering together in our larger gatherings and our house-to-house gatherings, because they, I believe, are the biblical wineskins that mean we can keep growing without, lose, without anyone losing connection, without anybody becoming lost or drifting to the fringe of things. Psalmist says, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. I see a church that lives to give yes. loves to give it away shares freely yes. says you know what I have I give you yes. a church that sows generously yes. and honors God with a tithe and gives to the poor and supports any in need and astounds and astonishes the world yes. where there are no needy yes. where there are uh, where there is reaping and receiving and 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 an an economics that confounds natural economics. Because we're enjoying the heavy blessing of God. I see a church where every member's a missionary. Everybody knows they carry life, they carry hope, they carry good news. Where we all see our, our workplaces, our schools, our colleges, our clubs, our coffee shops as mission fields so blessed with Christine's seminar yesterday this doesn't become a heavy burden at all, this is our life yeah, right. that, uh, that daily we, we're experiencing divine appointments and they're not just random um, coincidences God has arranged things because we carry life it's a church with a deep love for the lost and, and a real burning compassion for the hurting and the the broken hearted, and we stick with people, and we stand by people, and we don't give up on people, it's a church where ordinary believers, that's all there is, by the way, it's the only type, are doing extraordinary things, that's the only type as well, and people are being added every day. I see a church that's impacting the community in, in some really glorious, colourful ways, And um, where there's there's plenty of space for God's people to express their burdens and their passions and their God-given cries for the lost. I see us reaching into many more towns and villages. Um, I see our homes and our house groups as beacons of life. When I'm praying for the church and I think about on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I just picture the groups... I see them like beacons of light all over the region. Um, Beacons of hope and healing and and peace in our communities. And I I see all our members reaching out and befriending and sharing and inviting others in And and I see our house groups growing and reproducing and I see many more groups in many more towns. And I see congregations far and wide not just here but overseas in Kenya where we've begun already and not just in this region where we've begun already but in other places at the Bible week God spoke clearly three times to me through the most recognized of all prophets in our midst Tony Ling and said there will be congregations in Nottinghamshire and other places far and wide Maybe in rugby, maybe in Leamington, maybe in Stratford, maybe in Northamptonshire, maybe in Derbyshire, maybe further afield. I see really able, really available pioneers coming and saying, give me this mountain. The psalmist says, blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. I see a church that sends men, women, and resources into the wider body of Christ, into the world. A church where from the heart of the nation to the ends of the earth is not just a slogan. It's a good slogan, but it's not that alone. It is an accurate description of how we think, of the actions we take, of the obsessions that urge us on. I see the glorious bride of Christ, a a church living with the certainty of his return, where we're joined with others. We're not independent in any way. We're joined with others, and and we're getting ourselves ready, and we're dealing with every spot and wrinkle and blemish, and we're handling our responsibilities well in this age because we know we will be ruling and reigning with Christ in the age to come. Don't know how much... Thought you've given to that. It's a biggie. It is, that's right. I see a church that's just rammed full of blessed, happy, healthy, thriving people. Where marriages are strong, where kids are secure, where our teens are on track. It's a church that's the head and not the tail. It's a church where everybody's growing in character and in gifting and in revelation and in fulfillment. Um, The people in this church that I see are the best employees. They're the best managers. They're the most gifted entrepreneurs. And it's men and women find uh, favor and fill places of influence in education and government and commerce and business. It's a church that's full of blessed people. For the psalmist says, the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing. No good thing does he withhold from those whose way of life is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed are the ones who trust in you. I see a church where Jesus is Lord of all where he is adored and honored and has all the glory and where people come and visit and observe and listen and take part and are embraced by us and are honored by us and are cared for by us and when they've met with us and experienced our gatherings and been in our homes and seen all that we are and all that we're about, they say, Isn't Jesus wonderful? Hallelujah. I enjoyed that. Is this really possible? Yeah, of course it is. Because I'm describing what's in the Bible. I'm describing the pattern that's been given to us by the Holy Spirit. I'm describing what God has said to us through the prophetic words. Are we there yet? Of course we're not. There's much to do. But we have seen real progress on all those fronts. And we do have real momentum. And we can certainly fulfill our vision together. Is what I see what we see? Absolutely. Can we make it? Of course we can. God has spoken. God is with us. And and all I'll say is, as for me and my household, my shrinking little household, (laughs) as for me and my wife and James, um, we're going nowhere till we've got there. Yeah. Yeah. Then I think I'm going home. Maybe. Because that's, that's a life's work there. Yeah. So, who do we say he is? And what have we seen? And whom shall he send? And how can we best serve him and And what kind of house are we building? In other words, what happens next? And I want to um, bring this together with just making three really simple statements as to what I believe we must do if this is to become our full reality. I I knew to say this even before Ezekiel was with us on Friday night, just to say that. The first thing is we must rise and shine. The verse in Isaiah 60 that that Ezekiel brought to us, Isaiah 60, verse 1, says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. And, you know, um, when you read the prophet Isaiah... At a time of great significance for God's people, God urges them again and again and again, um, awake, awake, rise up. I I think this version says, awaken yourself. That's in Isaiah 51. Then again in Isaiah 52, awake, awake, Zion, clothe yourself with strength, put on your garments of splendor. Shake off your dust, rise up, sit enthroned. And here in Isaiah 60, arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord shines upon you. I believe this is the word of God to us. Arise, shine. Arise and shine. As Ezekiel said, those two things go together. Because at a time of great significance, a great opportunity of of a great prophetic moment. It's essential and crucial that God's people are awake and alert and ready like never before. This is such a time and and therefore we must not become drowsy or drift off. Um, I don't want the Lord to find us napping. Rise and shine. Because you know what, it it is now or never. We won't get this weekend again. You can't skip today and catch up on iPlayer tomorrow. You won't get next week twice. You won't get tomorrow twice. You've got got today. And we've got days and we mustn't let any of them pass us by. Please, friends, let us not live with regrets. And come back to that. Many people spend the first half of their life thinking they're too young, and the second half thinking they're too old. And you're neither, you're just right. There's a verse somewhere, I think it's in Hebrews, he says, at, at just the right time, he saved us. That's a great comfort if you think you were saved too late, or maybe. I don't know whether you'd think the other one. But you may think you're too young. And you may think you're told, and the Lord says, you're just right. Right. You're ready, you're qualified, you're 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 equipped. Sure, you can get some more, but you're ready right now. You don't need to go to Bible college. You know the Lord. Spirit lives inside you. It's time, folks, to be those who are rising, shining. It says in in the Gospels that Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory. You know, we won't see the glory of the things I've been describing unless we're fully awake. Paul writes to the Thessalonians, he says, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. It doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. Let us... Be awake and sober, for this is our day. In Numbers, the Lord it says the Lord makes his face shine upon you, and be, the Lord be gracious to you. The psalmist in Psalm 50 says, From Zion, perfect in beauty, God shines forth. If we rise, he will shine through you. Ephesians, Paul says, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. It is time to rise, to step up and to shine, to step out and to put on strength in a new way for a new day. To step up a gear, to step up into your calling, to rise to the challenges and the opportunities to serve, to volunteer. I've got a list here from Lisa, of all the help she needs in Hot Rock at the moment. There are loads of ways of serving and volunteering. Do not sit on the edge, folks. Rise, shine, get stuck in. If you're not sure where you fit or if you feel I'm not fulfilled in what I'm doing, please come and talk to us. We want to help you rise, we want to help you shine. It's time to step out of the shadows, some of you. Step out of the shadows. Step out of the past. Step out of an old regime. Step out of an old way of doing it. Step out of past disappointment. Step out of those things. Don't live in the past. Don't be making up for things that weren't, didn't go right in the past. Step out into all God's got for you here and now. Step out of self-doubt and step out of self consciousness, because folks, you were born to shine, to be you, to do what only you can do. Do you know, I tell you what, the pressing urgent needs of the towns and the villages all around us, where we're planted at the moment, they require your workplace, the pressing urgent needs in your school, in your workplace, in your factory, in your office, the pressing urgent needs in your place where God's placed you, require you to be wide awake, yeah. Yeah. rising and shining. I believe if, if I've seen what I've seen, if you've seen what I've seen, if we've seen these things, if this is the kind of house we want to build, we're building together, if this is the kind of house we want to live in, then we must be fully awake, please get fully on board, fully committed, don't waste Another day, arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord shines upon you. Secondly, just take you or refer you to Ephesians 3.20. Secondly, we must ask and imagine. Mm. In Ephesians 3.20, Paul says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably, other verses say, or above and beyond... More than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that's worked within us. The Amplified says, now to him who is able to carry out his purpose and do superabundantly more than all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams, according to his power that's at work within us. This is our day. This is our time. And in response to the Lord's big questions of us, we've got to start asking some really big prayers. Yes. Yes. These prayers are, I'm, I'm talking about really bold, really courageous, if I can say, really outrageous prayers. Yes. God isn't scared of our big prayers. You see, the Bible says, ask, and it will be given to you. It says in James, you have not because you ask not. Is your asking pulling from God? Is your asking putting any demand on the Almighty? And and asking is, if you like, asking is at one level. Imagining is a different realm altogether. It takes us beyond what we even dare ask for. It takes us into the realm of dream and vision. Imagining takes us into pictures of the future. Imagining takes us into impossible things that of course aren't really impossible. I have to disagree with Usain Bolt, uh, with Ezekiel Shabemba, sorry, (laughs) who looked a lot like Usain Bolt when he did his Usain Bolt impression. Um, I have to disagree with them. Even if I really gave myself to it, I could not run as fast as Usain Bolt. Not quite. But my imagination can take me into the realm of things, other things that might seem impossible, but are perfectly possible when God's involved. Imagination will take me into the deep longings that can't be expressed in words. Imagination takes me into groanings into heart cries. But God wants to do super abundantly, infinitely more than I could ask or imagine. In fact, when you read the end of that, he says, now to God who uh, is able to do infinitely above more, you think, Paul's just taken me into a realm of asking that I'm probably not comfortable with, beyond that into a realm of imagining that is out of my comfort zone and then to a God who can do infinitely more. We're we're off the scale now of extrapolating. Infinitely more. You see, if you only ask, you'll always be limited. If you start to imagine, you may begin to push a little way into the realm of all that God has for you all that God is capable and willing and wanting to do in and through us. Today's reality was shaped by yesterday's imaginations. And tomorrow's reality will be shaped by today's imaginations. Is your imagination putting any real pressure on God, demand on God? I really want to take a lead in beginning to imagine the future in a way that puts some demand on God. I believe we have capacity to imagine because God created us in the divine image. I, I, I think maybe God first imagined a universe and then declared what he'd seen and then, and then created what he declared. And um, your imagination is far more powerful than you realize it will trigger your praying. It will, it will determine the measure of all the answers you receive. Imagine what God can do through you. Imagine what God can dr- do through us. Dream of what you've always longed to do for Jesus. Imagine your friends saved. Imagine your classmates transformed. Imagine the church we've been describing. Imagine a church that impacts its community so profoundly that people are added every day. Imagine a church where every house is a beacon of hope. In the region, imagine a family of churches and congregations spreading out across the Midlands and bringing hope to tens of thousands of people. Even that's too small. (laughs) There's lots we've got to do to get from here to there. We've got to make space for every member to rise up and shine. We've got to refresh the way we meet from house to house to ensure we're really properly positioned to reach the villages. We've got to expand the eldership. We've got to strengthen The diaconate, we've got to recognize other gifts and anointings. We've got to ensure the heart of the church stays healthy. There will be growing pains. The desire to expand might at times seem to conflict with the need to care. But we won't neglect either. And God will cause many to step up and fill the gaps. And some things will change, but if we try and preserve the past, we'll never embrace the future. God is with us. God has promised um, God has promised things to us and we as leaders promise, we as elders promise to lead you wisely and carefully yes. and make sure everybody gets to the other side. Yes. Yeah. If you've seen what I've seen, then if this is the kind of house you dream of building and inhabiting, then ask and imagine. Unleash your imagination. Picture the future. Imagine your part, your part in it. For he is able to do super abundantly above and beyond All that we could dare to ask or imagine. And the last thing I want to say is this. I believe we must rise and shine. I believe we must ask and imagine. I believe we must get up and go. There's a verse in Acts 22 where Paul is recounting his his conversion uh, uh, on the road to Damascus. And, And this is how he recounts it. He says... He says, what shall I do, Lord, I asked. Get up, the Lord said, and go into Damascus. And there you will be told all that you've been assigned to do. If all this means anything, it means we must get up and go. Because the world so urgently needs a visionary, confident, blessed, optimistic, positive, courageous church. We must go into all that we've seen and imagined. Yes. We must go into all the world. The fields are white for harvest. Right. You know, sometimes people say, I've, I've not got much get up and go. <laughs> or they say, I, I seem to have lost my get up and go. Yeah. Have a little look under your chair. <laughs> um, you know, we really want to help you find your get up and go. Now would be a good time to rediscover it. Yeah. Get up and go means I love my street. I invite my neighbors around. I take a real interest. I'm interested in their lives. I pray for them. I'm with them. I'm for them. I stick with them. I feel like a shepherd in my community. Get up and go means um, I speak up at work. I offer to lay hands on the sick. I invite friends to to church, to life group, to stuff we're doing, to alpha courses. I, I volunteer, I take ownership. Get up and go means that. Get up and go means my world is, is his mission field. He has my life. Get up and go means the whole church is mobilized. Every group is involving every member in doing every good work to reach every part of our region. Get up and go means I'm not waiting for all the details. Did you notice the scripture? Get up and go, and there you'll be shown. Uh, Sometimes you're waiting for all the details, when actually we should simply hear the the question of the Lord. Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And we will say, here I am. Send me. If you've seen what I've seen, if this is the kind of house you want to build and bring others into, then this will be a brand new season for you of get up and go. I just want to encourage you to turn the dial up and decide to rise, step up, step out, and and don't linger on the edge, folks, but jump in. I read this quote, just to finish with this, a a quote recently, I thought this this is powerful. He said, there are two types of pain you will all go through in life. The pain of discipline and the pain of regret. The difference is discipline weighs ounces while regret weighs tons. Now I know there are other pains. There's the pain of growth, the growing pains, the pain of criticism, the pain of um, being out of your comfort zone. None of them are enjoyable, but nothing compares to the pain of regret. And I find you get older, you become increasingly aware, don't you? Of the possibility of regret. The great weight of that, the great price of that. What if I were to die with some unfulfilled potential? I I believe the plan is, it's all used up, and then I go. What if I were to die with some unfulfilled potential? What if, um, what if I were to finish my race and there were still loads of unexplored destiny? What if we never made it into Nottinghamshire? What if I slowed down and settled and became comfortable? What if I um, chose not to pay the price for his power and his anointing? What if the potential for regret is, is terrifying, isn't it? I think, and um, I just don't want me or you to face it or carry it. I want us to be sure, folks, that we rise and shine and we ask and we imagine and we get up and we go, Amen. Amen. amen, amen, amen. Thanks for joining us today. There's so much going on at Living Rock Church and we'd love for you to be involved. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching. Visit www.livingrock.church or search for us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. We meet every Sunday at 10.30am in Stony Stanton and 4pm in Tamworth and Market Harborough. Feel free to come and visit us, we'd love to meet you.